contracts save relationships. And contracts make sure that there's no room for misinterpretation of what the agreement was. So that was the third lesson. Hey, man, if you're going to be successful, everything with everyone gets written down and signed so that there can be no mistakes. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And and I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show, where today I am grateful for my network. Oh my God, I have the best freaking network on the planet. Like all this goodwill over the years is just showing up left and right. And I'm so grateful to every person who's connected me to an investor for Frello or people that run funds or people that can help get this type of thing launched. I flew to Arizona real quick for 24 hours yesterday, just got back to California right now. And I was there pitching a fund and they loved it. They just loved it. And the only reason I got in front of this fund was because of somebody in my network, somebody who had actually come to one of the roundtables and someone that we actually met in Scottsdale. And it just goes to show you that your network is so incredibly powerful and you have to be so grateful for it because everything you need should be in your network or one introduction away. And, and honestly, that's also why we put together the dinner series. We've got a few seats left at that table and it is a strictly networking, elegant dinner where each dinner is preceded by a half day of direct networking, like all the exercises where you're basically going in saying, here's who I am. Here's what my superpowers are. Here's what I can provide people. And here's what I need. And you walk away with everything you've ever needed. Anyhow, if you want one of the last seats at the dinner table, go check it out. Go to chrisharder.me forward slash dinner. And everything you need to know about the dinner series is right there. It starts February 1st. So you gotta rush over there, grab those last few seats. chrisharder.me forward slash dinner. Again, that's chrisharder.me forward slash dinner. All right, so I wanted to share a story with you about an interaction that I had today in an Uber ride. And if you're like, wait, Chris, I already heard this podcast. Nope, this is another interaction in a totally different Uber ride. Let me give you some background. You heard me say a couple minutes ago that I had to fly to Scottsdale real quick yesterday to pitch to the fund. And then that meant I had to fly back here to California early this morning so I can put in a full workday. And so it's about six in the morning, closer to 6.30. And the Uber pulls up to my house in Arizona there. Remember, we've got a house in Arizona and a house here in California. So he pulls up to my Arizona home and I get into the car and I am tired. I am groggy. I hung out with my mom the night before to like 1130 at night and had to get up at like, you know, 545 or whatever, get cleaned up quick, get in this Uber close to 630. So I'm, you know, when you're tired, you're groggy, you don't want to talk to anybody. Well, I got in and immediately I had the Uber driver that wanted to talk. And my first reaction was like, no, it's early. I'm tired, bro. Like, let's not do this making friends thing right now. But I immediately recognized 
somebody who aspired for a better life. And so I said to myself, I'm like, come on, man, you're tired, but this might be that chance for this guy. So I decided in that moment, as tired as I was, as much as I did not want to talk, I decided that I was going to pour into this guy for this 25-minute Uber ride as much as I possibly could that morning. So here's where it kind of led. He said to me, he said, hey, man, I see your home, and I want to ask you for advice on how to be successful. Now, for context, I need to share this with you guys. He's from Rwanda, and he's been here a few years. English is his second language, and you can tell he's still really on the front end of learning English. But he said, I see your home. It is absolutely beautiful. Would you please give me advice to be successful? So now, right away, my thought was, one, I love that that's where you're head at. Two, that's a too broad of a question, right? Advice to be successful. Successful in what? So I said back to him, I said, well, do me a favor. Define success. Like what would be successful to you? Successful in what way? He said, I want to run a good business. I said, okay. Running a good business is one way to be successful. But what about your life? What would be successful from your everyday, day to day? What would your life look like? He said, well, I want to have a happy life, but I'm not afraid to work hard. And I think success would be if I have a happy life and I have a really good business. I said, okay, we're getting somewhere here. Happy life, good business, you're on the right track. So I said, okay, what kind of business do you want? Do you have something that you're thinking about or do you want me to suggest businesses? He said, nope, I know exactly what business I want. I said, okay, what business is that? And this is where he shocked me a little bit. He said, I want to run a dry cleaner. I said, you want to run a what? Like a dry clean, like where I drop off my dry? He said, yep, I want to run a dry cleaner. That is the business that I want. I said, okay. I said, do you have experience running a dry cleaner? He said, nope, not at all. <laughs> and I said, okay, do you want to buy an existing dry cleaner or do you want to start one from scratch? He said, I want to start one from scratch. I want to build it and I, I want to start the dry cleaner from scratch. So this is where the first piece of advice came in to help him be successful. I said, okay, you do not want to build one from the ground up, especially if you've never done this before. You want to find an existing dry cleaner. You want to go to every dry cleaning place in this area, find out who the owner is, and make an offer to them that you want to buy their dry cleaner business, but you want them to owner finance it. Now, he did not know what owner financing was, so I explained it to him. So that's where you go in and you say, listen, I want your business. Here's a down payment that I've saved for your business, a significant down payment, and I want to buy your business. He said, where do I find these businesses? How do I know if they're for sale? I said, you're just going to have to ask because the ones that you already know are for sale, there's going to be too many people competing for that. He said, okay, I'm not afraid to ask. I will go ask. I already love this guy, by the way. I was like, okay, this guy's willing to like do the work. Nothing phases him. So I said to him, I said, you're going to probably have to have a, a, a down payment of at least 20% to catch their attention. And I said, I don't know how much a dry cleaning business is, but let's just use a million dollars for an example. I said, okay. So I said, if you have a million dollar dry cleaning business that you're going to buy, a real small one, and you're going to need 20% down, that's $200,000. How much of that $200,000 do you think you could save in the next year? And again, this is where I was like, oh, I love this dude. He said, no problem. I can save 60,000 in the next year. Now, I hope you guys let this sink in. Here's somebody just a few years removed from living in Rwanda. English is by far a second language. 
he's driving Uber at six in the morning and he says, I can get enough jobs. I can find enough work to save $60,000 in the next year. And the reason why that's so important is, again, this guy's willing to do what it takes. Obviously, doing the type of jobs that he's doing, that takes a lot of sacrifice to be able to have money to live and an extra $60,000 above that. So I'm really impressed with this guy at this point. And I hope that that inspires you that no excuses, guys. If you need money for something, do the work, find it, just like this guy is. So I said, okay, what about the other 140,000? He said, well, I could save a few more years. I said, yep, you could do that. Or do you have a community here where you could get people to invest in your dry cleaning business, where you do the work, you run the business, they invest in part of your down payment and they get a return? And he said, absolutely. He said, I've got a great community here. We're really close knit and everybody understands and wants business. I said, okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to save your $60,000 over the next 12 months. You're also going to go tell everybody about the vision of what you're going to do and that you're going to raise that other $140,000 from them. Does that seem possible? I said to him. And this is where I was like, God, this guy is amazing. He's going to succeed. He said, yes, that's absolutely possible. Now, again, this is for you because you probably, if I said that to you, can we just be real frank for a minute? If I said that to you, I'm like, oh, you want a business? It's going to cost a million dollars. Great. You're going to need $200,000 down. You're going to have to go knocking on the doors and ask if they'll not only sell the business, but do owner financing. Would you do that? And if you would do that, what about the $200,000 down payment? Would you sacrifice for the next year to get 60 of it? And then would you go to your community and ask every single person painting the vision for the other 140 so that you can have 200,000 down? I'm guessing before this episode, a lot of you, if I hooked you up to a a, a lie detector, you'd have to answer, "Eh, I probably wouldn't do all that. And that's why you're stuck. And that's why this guy's probably going to become massively successful because he's willing to do these things. All right, so that's the first piece of advice. Find an owner financing dry cleaner that you can buy, save up the down payment, save the part that you can, get the rest from your community. So here's the second piece of advice I gave him. I said, during this 12 months that you're saving the money, I need you to become a student of the industry. I need you to make Google your best friend. I need you to find every single book on dry cleaning. I said, trust me, once you start looking, you're going to find it everywhere. Maybe there's courses on dry cleaning. And then I want you to go find not only the dry cleaner that's going to sell this business to you in a year and ask him to mentor you, but I want you to go find two to three other mentors from the business, develop those relationships, and in return, offer them one or 2% of your revenue for the first year or two when you buy this business so that they mentor you for that first year or two. So offer the guy that you're buying the business from a little bit of revenue and go find one or two other mentors that really understand the business and are good people and offer them one or 2% of the revenue in return for mentoring you. I said, great, what does the agreement look like? I said, here's the third lesson to be successful. Whatever that agreement is, that mentoring agreement for a couple percent of your revenue for a couple of years, It must be in writing. And he said, it must be in writing? What if they don't want to put it in writing? I said, it must be in writing. And I said, it's not that people are going to try and screw you. Sure, that might happen. But people have different paradigms, different perspectives, and they remember deals differently a year down the road, two years down the road than you do. And they're not even being malicious. They just literally remember the arrangements that you guys, quote, shook on differently than you do when a couple of years go by. I told him, I said, my brother is a business partner of mine and works for us as well. And even he has his compensation plan, our agreements. We have those written down as signed contracts. And he said, even your brother? I said, even my brother. Because contracts save relationships. 
and contracts make sure that there's no room for misinterpretation of what the agreement was. So that was the third lesson. Hey, man, if you're going to be successful, everything with everyone gets written down and signed so that there can be no mistakes. And then lastly, 20 minutes into the ride, about five minutes left, I said, tell me something. When you came here from Rwanda, what'd you come here for? He said, opportunity. So when you got here, was the opportunity more than you thought or less than you thought or about the same? And he said, so much more opportunity than he thought. He said, you don't understand how much opportunity is here. There's opportunity everywhere. And at this point, he is fired up. Remember, 6.30 in the morning, he's fired up. He's excited. There's opportunity everywhere. This guy is just juiced up. And I said to him, I said, you know, you're going to be all right. You're going to be really successful. Because you have something that my friend Pedros Killian calls the immigrant edge. And I explained to him what that is. I said, you see, you were happy to go door knocking and look for a dry cleaning business for sale from stranger to stranger to stranger when I said you had to do that. You were like, okay, no problem. And then you were happy to save up 60000 of a $200,000 down payment on your own over the next year. You didn't complain you were happy to do that. And I said, you were happy to go ask your community for the other $140,000 of the down payment. You didn't hesitate. You said, no problem, I've got that. And then when I said, go find a mentor, when I said, put things in contracts, when I, when I gave you all of these ideas, you didn't even flinch. Because I'm guessing to you, none of that is a struggle. And he said, man, all of that is easy. And he went on to say, and I sure hope that you take this constructively. He went on to say, I think too many people are too soft here. I think that they are spoiled and they're not willing to do these easy, easy things to be successful. And I looked at him in the rearview mirror as best you can when you're in the back of an Uber. I looked at him, made eye contact with him. And I said, you're right. You're right. Because in our audience, we have thousands of people with big dreams. You're listening to this right now because you have big dreams. And some of you will go do everything that this guy is willing to do with tenacity. But many of you, you don't have that immigrant edge. You've gotten too soft. You've gotten too used to maybe your, your nice home or your, your fancy truck payment. You don't want to give up your boat. You don't want to move. You don't want to downsize. You don't want to get that second job. You don't want to do the things that's going to take to do the things that this guy is willing to do. And he's going to outwork you and he's going to end up more successful unless you are willing to do these things of discomfort, which in his mind, in his perspective, are not even uncomfortable at all. You see, the very notion of discomfort is just perspective. There's actually no real definable discomfort. Some people don't feel pain. Did you know that? Some people don't interpret pain as pain. So what you might think is painful in growing your business, this guy thinks is easy. He thinks it's a walk in the park. So I ask you, what would happen if you were more like him? What would happen if you redefined what you think painful was, what you think sacrifice was, what you think hard work was to be more like my friend from Rwanda here? So what's my point of sharing this story? Well, one, <laughs> I got, got out of that car and thought, I freaking love this guy. He filled me up this morning. He gave me energy this morning when I first got in that car and didn't want to talk. And that's the spice of life. Pour into other people and in return, your cup will get filled. But my other point, get scrappy. 
get tough. Be willing to work harder. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to do the things that this gentleman was willing to do. And you too will be wildly successful. Thanks for listening. Hope you found value in this. Love and appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.